I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. You're listening to the Crypto Crime Report, sponsored by Evolution Equity Partners, an international venture capital investor partnering with exceptional entrepreneurs to develop market-leading cybersecurity and enterprise software companies. To learn more, visit evolutionequity.com. Joining me today is Jared Koopman, Acting Executive Director, Cyber and Forensic Services at the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS criminal investigation serves the American public by investigating potential criminal violations of the Internal Revenue Code and related financial crimes in a manner that fosters confidence in the tax system and compliance with the law. To learn more about the IRS, visit irs.gov. Welcome, Jared. It's great to be speaking with you and have you back on Cybercrime Radio. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Glad to be back. So, Jared, last time you joined us, you spoke with our editor-in-chief, Steve Morgan, and among many things, you discussed how the IRS had seized $1.2 billion worth of cryptocurrency in 2021. So today, I'd like to continue the conversation surrounding crypto, specifically in relation to, to kick things off, to an NBC News article titled, Cryptocurrency is not actually perfectly designed for crime, just ask the crypto cops. And... The article starts out by stating that the Justice Department announced this past February that it had seized $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin, which was the largest recovery of alleged criminal proceeds in in U.S. history. So my first question for you, Jared, is can you take us through this seizure and how it unfolded? And then we can get further into the landscape of criminal transactions with crypto. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So yeah, that was a uh, a specific case that IRS criminal investigation was leading and was the main criminal agency behind the investigative work in that case. And some of it's still being adjudicated. So I can speak to the public aspects of this, uh, but two individuals that were connected with the Bitfinex hack that occurred last year, at some point we had become aware of, well, actually the hack had occurred several years ago, but we became aware of some of the information pertaining to that incident and some of the wallet addresses that were being utilized in the movement and the transactions of those funds. And using both our tools internally and then also the astuteness of the agents that working in the space within CI really did some great investigative work to uncover the financial trail that was utilized to try to hide some of the activity. Ultimately, and this kind of speaks to you know your point about cryptocurrency not being the best device for criminal activity, is that it provides a trail, a public blockchain that we can trace and use to our advantage to try to find individuals. We were able to continue to, to uncover the activities by the, the criminals and trying to move this money through a very complex web of transactions, um, but staying diligent to following that trail and using open source intelligence, using our third-party tracing tools, we were able to ultimately identify the location of a lot of this cryptocurrency still being maintained. And to our benefit, kind of a needle in the haystack, we were able to identify the the cloud storage that was actually maintaining the private keys, which allowed us to gain access to the underlying crypto and ultimately seize that $3.6 billion at the time. Wow. And so I want to kind of pick apart what you just shared further, but I guess to start, like I said, level set current landscape, what does it look like for the current landscape for 
illicit activity in criminal transactions right now. $3.6 billion is, is a lot, and it's more than what we talked about with you last year. So I'm assuming something, but I, I'd like to hand it over to you. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think it's relative to the a couple of different things. I think we, as cryptocurrency and digital assets in general begin to become more mainstream, we're seeing more use, which is subsequently has additional criminal activity tied to it, just in a manner of more uh, activity being utilized in general. So we've seen a increase in use. We've seen an increase in the percentage of crime being committed, whether it's investment fraud or other dark web activity or something like this with a with a, uh, a hack. We've seen a lot of decentralized finance hacks, DeFi hacks happening over the last couple of years. So all of that activity is starting to increase. And, and with that comes you know our work and taking down these criminals, which then in turn, hopefully the seizure of criminal proceeds involved. In FY21, we ended up finishing that year right around 3.5 billion in seizures, crypto seizures. And this year, we're already at around 7 billion. So it's been doubled since FY21. So we're currently right around that 7 billion mark at the time of seizure. Uh, That certainly fluctuates based on the pricing. But that just shows the scale. And I think it's also some of the criminal activity that we're getting involved with are activities that occurred three or four years ago when the value of Bitcoin or some of these other altcoins were much lower. And, and we now have an increase in value, which drives that pricing up so high. I mean, we're talking about billions in value, whereas you know a couple of years ago, we were millions or hundreds of millions. So much different scale uh, as we're talking today. Yeah, definitely. Wow. I know you just kind of briefly touched upon some of the answers to my next question, but I guess if you were to elaborate further, how is it that crypto, which is you know once heralded as the ultimate in anonymity, is I guess betraying cyber criminals? You know what else is involved in a crypto transaction that's giving away identities? Yeah, good question. So I mean, one thing that's really helped is the advancement over the years of the KYT, the know your transactions and the work being done by both the financial institutions, traditional financial institutions and crypto or digital asset exchanges and service providers. They're now required by law to make sure that they're maintaining proper anti-money laundering regulations and, and procedures as well as know your customer or know your transaction uh, authorities to, to ensure that their platform, their service is not being utilized for criminal activity. So that is one big aspect that helps us because it's now partnering with the financial sector and industry to be able to help provide some identification or some attribution to the transactions that are occurring. And then secondly, we have both internal capabilities, whether it's uh, more readily identifying some of the transactions or or activity that's occurring. Certain tracing tools and and partners of ours have really become much more advanced in their tracing capabilities, whether that's understanding when mixing mixers and tumblers are being used and still being able to follow transactions through those or identifying things that are red flags in those type of transactions, being able to identify when peel chains are occurring, which was a tedious process prior to, you know, like an automated tracing capability in that in that fashion. And peel chains, for those that aren't familiar, when you have a large amount and you're trying to move that on the blockchain, again, the blockchain specific to Bitcoin is public. So 
you're able to very, that, that sticks out very clearly when you're trying to move billions of dollars. But if you do that in an automated series of transactions, maybe thousands of transactions that are smaller amounts, it doesn't raise as much red flags, but it's harder for law enforcement to uncover unless you have certain tools that can also identify those patterns that are occurring and readily kind of shine light on those, which will certainly help us to uncover or make attribution. So that all mixed with a better understanding, I think now of what, what actually is entailed in transactional detail uh, affords the uh, law enforcement in general a little bit more ability when we're honing in on these criminals on what avenues they have. And ultimately, they need to try to get their money out or put it in a form or fashion that they can use it. And that's where really we want to provide that choke point. That makes a lot of sense. And so I know that, you know, the IRS works with other U.S. agencies on cases like these. And so, you know, like that you've covered so far. So who are the other agencies that you work with? And I guess, how do you all work together? That was interesting to me. Yeah, another great question. So I'm, uh, we work very, uh, very closely with a lot of the agencies. Um, the primary players in the space really become typical ones of FBI, HSI, or Homeland Security, U.S. Secret Service. We all have similar missions of protecting the government, whether it's you know national security or homeland security or the finance, financial industry as a whole and, and the economy of the U.S. So coming together, it really understanding that this space is much larger than any one, in, one agency, we can't do it by ourselves. We are seeing so much going on and, and it's very complex in its nature that we have to leverage specialized skill sets across all agencies. And I think previously in this in the last couple, six, maybe months or so, the executive order coming out really dictating and mandating that government agencies work together to really come up with a much more strategic approach to addressing digital assets and digital asset crime really shined a light on the government having to work together. And although we've already been doing it on the criminal side, I think it's starting to round out and pull more together from regulation to policy to industry, as well as uh, the law enforcement aspects. And we work very closely uh, with all those groups and we all bring our own specialty. Some of the other groups like FBI and HSI, they have a great capability when it comes to intrusions and network capability and, and more of the technical components associated with some of these crimes, where our focus is and will remain to be more on the crypto tracing side. That's really kind of our bread and butter and something that we've built our agency around for the last hundred years. You're listening to the Crypto Crime Report, sponsored by Evolution Equity Partners, an international venture capital investor partnering with exceptional entrepreneurs to develop market-leading cybersecurity and enterprise software companies. Based in New York City and Zurich, Switzerland, the firm is managed by investment and technology executives who have built companies around the world and leveraged their operating, technical, and product development expertise to help their portfolio companies win. To learn more, visit evolutionequity.com. I'm Hillary McClure, host of the Crypto Crime Report with our guest, Jared Koopman, Acting Executive Director, Cyber and Forensic Services at the Internal Revenue Service. Segwaying into my next subject for us, um, how about non-fungible tokens? You just mentioned, you know, digital assets. And, and I saw that there was an article in Forbes recently titled NFTs, Taxation and Enforcement Are Around the Corner. And not that you can necessarily answer this question definitively, but Something I was wondering as I was reading that is, will the IRS pursue enforcement actions against 
taxpayers who fail to accurately report NFB tra- NFT transactions? Yeah, so another good question. I think um, I'll answer that in a few ways. So an NFT crime in general is what we focus on, whether that's in, you know, inv- mainly investment fraud or some type of a, um, yeah, mainly investment fraud because it focuses in several areas, whether it's something like uh, rug pulls or wash trading and things of that nature. And ultimately it comes down to promising something of value and, and then not delivering purposely. We've had several cases that have focused around either rug pulls or some of this uh, wash trading aspect. And one of the main ones actually coming out of New York was the Frosties investigation where a couple individuals were creating a gaming platform and selling NFTs for the future game that was going to be coming out and sold a whole collection of them and promised this game that was going to be applied to it. And then they ended up just kind of walking away with all the money and never created anything. Those type of things happen all the time. Those are the type of cases that we're, we're going after because, I mean, you're talking about millions of dollars really being stolen or, or uh, some type of as- aspect promised that then not delivered. But then there is the next wave of this is the unreported income or just the, the evaded taxes that individuals have to realize that if you're taking specific measures to not pay tax on income that you're generating. I mean, if you're selling a product like an NFT and making tons of money on that, you have a responsibility to to be reporting on on some of that gained income. It's just like any other type of work, you know, we came out and some of the notices that apply still today from 2014 and uh, 19 when IRS came out with virtual currency notices that kind of dictated reportable income around some of this activity, that becomes an important factor for people to realize that they should seek consultation from some type of accountant or return preparer to get some clarity on kind of their responsibility in this area. Because we ultimately, we want people and we want this space to thrive and we want to ensure that the tax system stays protected in, in what we're doing. So yeah, ultimately, I think we're going to see a lot more activity in this space. NFTs in general are are very uh, popular for many different reasons, whether it's real estate, ownership, sale of goods, physical goods and devices, or online gaming and, and other artworks and things of that nature. You know, I, I only see it increasing over the next few years. Yeah, definitely. And I actually didn't have this included in my script for us, but I just remembered I saw that someone bought a Florida home. It was like $650,000 or something through an NFT sale. And I don't know what the tax implications of that are, but I, that was very interesting to me when I, when I read that story. I don't know if you saw it or not, but. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I mean, we, we try to stay up, up to speed on kind of what's progressing in the space. And that was interesting to kind of notice and recognize. And, and it's just like any other sale, right? So, I mean, when you have a sale of a home, you should have the associated uh, property taxes or property sales tax and other aspects. I mean, and, and that's the, that's kind of the beauty of it is that the, the law still applies to these transactions in theory. Um, it's just that crypto, digital assets, NFTs, they're just now being used as the medium of the exchange, as the currency or the funding. There's still value and there's still, you know, the necessary requirement to kind of go through that proper reporting. But yeah, it's interesting because I mean, NFTs and tokens in general have a lot of uh, versatility and how it can be used in our economy as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And 
it's my understanding, and again, I'm not the expert, so you correct me where I'm wrong, but it's my understanding that crypto is mostly considered you know, fungible since it's easily traded and exchanged, but NFTs establish certificates of ownership and authenticity that lives on a blockchain attached to an object. I guess, can you compare, contrast those a, a little bit? Because I, I feel like everyone's kind of become a little more familiar and comfortable with what cryptocurrency is. Now NFTs are this new non-fungible thing. And I think that it can be a little confusing. So I'd, it would be awesome if you could kind of just give us like a quick overview of the the differences between the two. Yeah, sure. So yeah, you have uh, your traditional cryptocurrency, which can be more of like a medium of exchange and used as more of like utility. So you can purchase and spend and pay for things. Whereas a token can can act in a different way and it can more of a non-fungible token and meaning that there's only one of them that can be associated to ownership of a certain asset, right? And that asset can be artwork, it can be sneakers, it could be the next music drop from you know an artist, it could be real estate, it could be something in digital form, as well as having you know more of a representation of value. And that's where you can get into the versatility of tokens where Think of like a gaming platform. You have a lot of gaming systems out there. You know, my kids play Fortnite. You know, you can be on Fortnite and you can be playing uh, using V-Bucks or something. And that's more of a virtual currency within the game. Well, now a lot of gaming systems are going to tokens where you can actually now have a token representing that. And the token can now convert to other cryptocurrencies. So there's a lot of versatility in moving between traditional finance, digital assets, tokens. So think of tokens as much more of a versatile format to be able to uh, both transact between a utility where you can buy, sell, spend, and ownership. They do operate differently. Like tokens are going to run more on like through the Ethereum blockchain or Ether, whereas like you're more of your native coin, like Bitcoin is going to be more just a utility where you can send it and spend it. Now it does get a little complicated. I won't get into it, but more uh, where you can actually take Bitcoin and wrap Bitcoin to make it operate like a token. <laughs> so you get a, you get into what's called wrap Bitcoin. That's going to function, have more functionality like a token, but without getting too complex and into some of this, that's really the differences. Okay, great. And so as far as tokens, do you see those being challenging in a different way versus cryptocurrency? Does that, is your team kind of thinking, I'm sure they are, but like, are they thinking through what challenges could be down the road as far as NFTs go? Or is it kind of same animal, just kind of disguised as a different way? Yeah, no, there are some nuances. There are, we are thinking about this and how it's, again, going back to the versatility, it's used in a lot of different manners and a lot of different formats. So that's where the challenge becomes is that it's, uh, it's so versatile and how it can be utilized, which creates a whole nother challenge for us where it can be injected into the transactional flow. Like given that example I use with gaming, I mean, before we had, we could only f focus on kind of the integration of the, a specific coin where now tokens can move between different platforms, be transferred and kind of converted into others. And, and that creates a lot of challenges or even in different environments which just makes it a little bit harder for us to continue that flow. But yeah, it's a, ultimately it is something that we can, we still have visibility to just like 
Bitcoin operates on the Bitcoin blockchain. We have a lot of it happening through ERC tokens on the Ethereum blockchain. So it's it's very similar in a sense that we can we can still trace the activity that's occurring. Interesting. And so I guess my final question for you, Jared, is you know what is anything you want to share? But you know what what is your what's the future looking like for your team? Even just for the balance of this year, you know what um, what's exciting you guys or what's uh, challenging you guys? I think the challenge is always the advancement of the technology in such a quick fashion. We constantly see new developments. We constantly see creative ways that criminals are utilizing the space. But we also see great things that are happening in the legitimate space of digital assets and crypto and tokens and you know everything else going on. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. I think not to um, leave you guys hanging, but I think we're going to have a, another big announcement in probably another week or two, another big case that's going to be breaking. And then we also have a new facility that we're looking to start up in probably the springtime, spring, early summer uh, will be operational. It's going to be more of a task force setting where we're trying to bring together all of those federal agencies that I mentioned earlier into a central location that's going to be completely focused on digital assets and crypto crime. Something that for a long time we've been trying to organize and collectively bring together, but it's going to be Focus solely on that space with all the specialized skill set personnel kind of sitting together, attacking the largest criminal enterprises that are in our portfolio or things that we are understanding are occurring. We're going to be trying to focus on those areas. So between those, I think rounding out the this past fiscal year with a lot of great cases being worked, I think we just want to continue on that success and keep keep striving to to get our agents to to this high level of understanding around crypto and the transactional flow and being able to investigate these crimes. Excellent. Well, that's very exciting, all of that. And uh, I'll keep my eyes peeled for the <laughs> what will be breaking in a couple of weeks or so or what have you. So Jared, just thank you so much for coming back on and joining us today and taking the time. I, uh, I hope you come back for a third time in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate it. Always a great, great segment. Thanks, Jared. I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining us today was Jared Koopman, Acting Executive Director, Cyber and Forensic Services at the Internal Revenue Service. The IRS Criminal Investigation serves the American public by investigating potential criminal violations of the Internal Revenue Code and related financial crimes in a manner that fosters confidence in the tax system and compliance with the law. To learn more about the IRS, visit irs.gov, and you can keep up with all of our media at cybercrimemagazine.com. The Crypto Crime Report is sponsored by Evolution Equity Partners, an international venture capital investor partnering with exceptional entrepreneurs to develop market-leading cybersecurity and enterprise software companies. To learn more, visit evolutionequity.com.